I just want to start this episode by saying or telling you what happened after or the continuation of the story that I was telling, that I told, or that I did not tell the whole story uh, in episode two. What happened was uh, Sam and his girlfriend went back to his apartment. Me and Ray went back to the guest room, and we went to sleep. And the next morning, Sam came to the guest room fucking pissed, and he demanded the money back. So I gave him the money back, and I was pissed because, you know, it's like he wanted to play a game with me, and... I was like, all right, you want to play a game? I'll show you a game. And I gave a, I gave an excellent performance, I thought, and I deserved payment for that performance. But I guess he just thought I was being an asshole, and I thought he was being an asshole. So we stopped talking for a long time, for many years. Um, at some point we got in touch again, I apologized, and we sort of fell out of touch again, and then, um, are kind of sort of back in touch now, but not really, I mean, it's not like we're hanging out, I don't think he, I don't think he ultimately understood why I did what I did, and maybe I don't even know fully what my motivations were, but I thought that I was expressing something. There was a message there. And yeah, I don't really know what the message was there, but I put a lot of effort into the performance and he did not appreciate it. So that left me feeling very not hopeful about the rest of or what that friendship might be in the future and yeah has turned out to not be a very uh deep or fulfilling friendship in the end but i had fun i'm still friends with ray we're the best of friends and i think maybe she appreciated all the effort and energy that we put or at least I put into that performance. And I've decided that those are the, those are the kind of friends I want to keep. The friends that understand that sometimes shit might get weird and scary. Um, hanging out with me, but that's like part of the fun of it. And maybe I'm an Aquarian at heart. I do weird things. I play in ways that maybe people don't quite fully understand. But true friends will love you, not despite that, but because of that. Because of your weirdness. Because that's what makes you unique. Basically, he didn't get the joke. Just because you don't get the joke, I mean, don't get mad. Or you can get mad, but, you know, try to at least, I mean, if it's a friend, 
that played the joke on you, like someone that you've been hanging out for a longish amount of time that you've spent like some good quality moments with, at least give them, or at least try to understand what their motivations were, what, you know, why they did what they did. Like, there's a reason why I do things. And it would have been nice if he had tried to understand why I did what I did and not just be mad about it and assume that I'm some kind of fucking asshole. I think the message to my friend was, do you want to spend the rest of your days getting massages and being called cute pet names by a girl with big titties? Or do you want to hang out with two much cooler girls who know how to play with toy guns and ski masks and create chaos on a regular weekday night? Uh, you know? And I think he chose the former, which is kind of a, you know, a conventional life, which is, that's cool, that's cool. Uh, but I was just making clear what the, what the two options on the table were for him at that moment in his life. So hopefully that helped clarify things for him anyway. We all have choices, choices to make in life, and you can choose to go with what you know. You can choose to go with what's conventional for yourself, you know, or you can choose to go with something different, something scary, something risky, something that you didn't know how it's going to turn out, but you feel like it's exciting and there's energy there to work with um but neither choice is right or wrong it's just choices that you can make they have the free will to make going with what you know or doing something different something unexpected something that might seem kind of deranged in the moment but when you take it forward when you follow it into the future, you see that it's much more interesting and fun than just sticking with what you know and what's familiar and what's safe. And after that all happened, Sam would go on to live a pretty conventional life or what looks like a conventional life to me by my standards. And despite my best intentions, maybe, or light intentions, or unclearly stated vague intentions of not living a conventional life, maybe, I ended up choosing a pretty conventional life for a while, and it was all right, but it made me kind of miserable in a lot of ways, 
uh, I felt very demoralized by the situation that I ended up in and confused and lost and just wondering why the fuck I'm living the life I'm living. And a couple years ago, something happened or maybe even the year before that things started to happen, a series of things started to happen that showed me it's time. And I had asked, I had asked and prayed and communicated with the universe, with the cosmos, with whoever's listening when I pray. I communicated with that and asked, I repeatedly asked for and sought a way out of the situation that I was in because it was so, I got so bogged down with some sort of life that I feel like had been chosen by someone else or some part of me that was a lie. Some part of me that thought I had to live my life a certain way, that I had to do things in a in a normal or conventional way. At some point, I went down the path of conventionality and stability and safety and thought I should do things in a safe and conventional way that people will understand and that I won't have to explain because it's just what, it's just, it's just the way things, people normally do things so it won't create any doubt or won't make people doubt me. They'll just understand. Yeah, and people did seem to just go along with my choice to do things in a very conventional way. No one was really telling me not to. I don't I don't think. I mean, maybe I just didn't hear those voices, but I don't remember anyone telling me. You don't have to do it that way. You can do it another way. So I went down the path of conventionality and it really fucking sucked. It was really depressing and lonely and boring and suffocating and just didn't just didn't feel right it felt wrong for so many years and I didn't know how to shift back into myself or yeah I didn't know how to choose myself again the part of myself that doesn't want to do conventionality doesn't want to do whatever what everyone else says you're supposed to do it was really hard for me to access that part of myself again and it took a series of I don't know if you could call them disasters or happenings or encounters with darkness encounters with darkness that sort of reminded me of where I came from that I came from darkness and I came from chaos. And because I love myself, because I respect myself, I know myself. Yeah, getting called back into the into the darkness and the chaos reminded me that that's where I'm from and that's 
what makes me who I am and it's what makes me strong. That's where I get my strength from is maybe not from the light or from the dark or from whatever energy is in sort of the shadows. And so maybe conventional people who prefer things to be safe and stable and understandable and making sense all the fucking time, those kind of people are not going to understand me (laughs) or why I do or have done the things or have done why I do and have done and from here on out will fucking continue to do uh, things that maybe don't make sense. Like, this podcast probably isn't going to make sense to those kind of people. Like, why are you talking about this stuff, right? Why would you, why would you research, you know, topics like pedophilia and then get on a mic and start talking about those things? I would, because that's where, that's where I came from. I came from dark, taboo places, in this lifetime anyway. The seed of my current existence was planted in a very dark way. And I could go about my life pretending that that's not true that I come from the light, (laughs) Um, that I'm here to spread light and joy. (laughs) I could could pretend to do that, but it wouldn't be real. Uh, It wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be really, it wouldn't be the truth of who I am. So I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) Cause I think I kinda maybe tried to do not that, but something, you know, less shady. I tried to do something less shady and it worked out for a while, but it made me feel dead inside, (laughs) which is not the best thing to feel if you want to keep on living because you will lose your motivation to do anything and you will, and that, that deadness inside of yourself will be like a sort of, I don't know, it'll, It'll soak up a lot of the joy that could be coming your way or it'll hold you back from maybe enjoying the life that you were giving, that you were given. I feel like it sort of holds you back from realizing how blessed you are, realizing how blessed I am. You're not really, I mean, if you're really grateful, if I'm really grateful if I'm going to be truly grateful for the life that I was given, I got to live it in a way that's true to myself. That's true to my, my origins. Like I can't be ashamed of myself, um, where and what I come from, because that will lead to me making not the best choices for myself out of self-loathing, which is, uh, you know, super unhealthy. 
And it's not a good example. It wouldn't be a good example to my daughter or my friends or the people in my life. I don't want to be an example of shame and self-loathing for fuck's sake. Uh, I got, I've seen, I have examples of those in my upbringing and it wasn't pretty. Those are not self-loathing and uh, shame are not good role models. (laughs) That's not the kind of energy that is supportive of one's growth and development as a human being. Those uh, energies, those feelings, I feel like they keep you in a box. They keep you in a hole. They keep you in a deep, deep hole. And, you know, it's okay to be in a hole, but you can end up yanking other people down into that hole with you. Uh, Like your kid or your partner or the people close to you. You can end up pulling, yanking those people down into that hole with you. And that's not cool. Not cool. I mean, if you want to be down there, fine. Just don't yank other people down into that hole with you. That hole is for being alone in. And yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's a great place. I don't mind being alone and in the darkness and in a hole. You know, I mean, I guess I do mind it, but you know, part of this whole shadow work that people are talking about these days, and which I do try to do myself. Um, I'm not an expert on it or anything, but I do try to do it. And part of it is going back into dark places and spaces and sort of putting your putting your hands into the shit into the gunk, into the like black crud in your psyche and seeing what's in there, what you can pull out, what what is there to look at, what is there to work with? Because I've put my hands into the crud, into the black gunk, and I have come up with, I have found a diamond or two in there. There's been some wisdom in the crud and nuggets, nuggets of wisdom that have helped me in my own life and that have helped me understand myself and the world and people a lot better. So so there are things to be gained from doing that kind of work, um, but you have to do it alone for better or worse, (laughs) sorry to say, if you're someone who doesn't want to do this kind of work alone, um, you got to do the work alone. And so it's lonely, it's lonely work. Mm. But it's temporary. That's the thing. It's temporary. You don't have to stay in there. It's not a hole that you have to bury yourself in. Um, It's different when you consciously choose you don't you it's different from falling into the hole you know i've had experience where i just fucking fall into a hole and then like the 
ground caves in and I don't know why the hell I'm buried under all this shit. Um, but it's different if you're like consciously, you know, you get your shovel and shit, right? You get some, you do some preparation, put on a fucking raincoat. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> oxygen mask, something. You make some preparations and then you go down by choice into the darkness. It's different when you do that consciously. It's still lonely, but you know that you're, you know, you're only going to be in there a certain amount of time and then you're going to come up for air. You know, you're going to set a timer, right? Like I recommend setting a timer when doing shadow work. You don't want to stay in there. You know, go in for like 20 minutes, you know, maybe even less if 20 minutes is too long and just see what you can pull out of the gunk. Um, see what you can pull out of this shit. Okay, I think I'm going to go ahead and record uh, or explain how I do shadow work just because I explained it to someone recently and she found it really yuck really useful and maybe it would be nice to have some kind of like practical advice in this podcast and not just me telling crazy stories and uh, rambling on and on about shit that I don't fully understand um so yeah some practical advice on today's podcast for you will be about uh, something called journal speak which is uh what I learned from a teacher named Nicole Sachs And she explains it as, first, you make three lists. So one list is called past stressors. So it's any kind of shit that has happened to you in your past that has caused you stress. So thinking about your childhood, uh, including your teen years, things that caused you to feel uh, afraid feel fear or anger or shame or other uh, intense and uncomfortable feelings like that. And she explains that the list can include things like neglect, abuse, abandonment, bullying, witnessing abuse, difficulties with siblings, addiction in your family of origin, divorce, Uh, mental illness in the family, absence of a parent, experiencing a traumatic event, illnesses and injuries to yourself or those you love. Uh, And she uses the phrase being an energetic mismatch with a parent. Yeah, so it can be all kinds of things. Yeah, so make a list of past stressors or like stressful ass shit that happened in your past basically and for me like one thing that i put on that list was when i totaled my car when i was uh just turned 16 years old that was pretty fucking traumatic um so that's one example from my own list of past stressors the next list is current stressors so anything that's stressing you the fuck out right now and it's like still going on. So that could be like your job situation or your relationship or whatever, right? Shit that's stressful right now and it just like keeps on happening. And then um, the third and final list is personality traits or aspects of your personality that might be causing you some kind of stress. 
And she states the examples of perfectionism, being a people pleaser, uh, having a strong inner critic, judging yourself harshly, finding it difficult to set boundaries with people, uh, low self-worth, difficulty feeling your emotions, anxiety, etc. So yeah, three lists, past stressors, and that doesn't, and that doesn't, don't, don't feel like you have to limit yourself to childhood, because if you have lived uh, over 40 years, like myself, like, there's plenty of shit between, you know, say 20 and 40, so throw them babies on there, too. Past stresses, current stresses, and personality traits. Okay, so after you make that list, and mine was long as fuck, let me just tell you, and I have not made that much headway through it, or not enough to feel like, oh, yeah, I've done my work. Nope, have not done that much, but I have done some of it. So make a long or short, I don't know, maybe you haven't gone through a lot of shit, but if you're listening to my podcast, maybe you have. So make those three lists, and then one day, whenever you're feeling like, uh, yeah, I need to do this shadow work that she was talking about, pick a pick something off of that list. And so you're going to sit down and get like a piece of paper or a notebook, like a shitty notebook or like one of those notebooks that just like has, you know, like a few pages left in it or you don't like it anymore or something. Get a piece of paper or a notebook or something that you don't have any affectionate feelings towards, okay? Something that you don't like because what's going to happen is you're going to write on this paper and then you're going to throw it away. Uh, Ideally, you want to burn it. But, you know, only if that's a safe option for you, wherever you live. Um, It's not for me. Like, Japan, houses burn down all the time. So I'm not going to be doing that here. But if you're living somewhere where you can just, you know, whatever, build a bonfire and burn this shit, go right ahead. But anyway, so you want to destroy the paper. So you want to set a timer for 20 minutes and then start writing. It's really important that you let it all out like the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you god don't be afraid to say whatever like you can write fuck a million times like fuck me fuck them fuck her fuck him over and over again that's totally fine um it's really important that you don't go back over and you know read what you wrote just write just stream of consciousness blah, 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 blah. Just let it all out. Stream of conscious. Don't read back what you wrote. Not in the middle, not at the end, not after the first sentence. No going back over what you wrote. Just write it. And don't worry about spelling or punctuation, like fuck spelling and fuck punctuation. Like this can be, there's no, there's no need to have any kind of structure. Just write it all out. And this the person who came up with this technique she uses the phrase word vomit so think about it as like puke you're puking out uh this like black gunk out of your like psychic guts okay it's shit so you know when you're taking a shit or I don't want to make any assumptions about people, but I don't like check. I mean, I know there are people who do check their shit, but I don't check my shit. I just like shit and then flush the toilet. I mean, I like wipe or use a, you know, bidet as you will. 
and uh you know and I just flush I don't look through my shit I don't check to see like you know what it looks like um not that there's anything wrong with doing that please if you like gazing at your shit then fine but I would suggest not doing that and not on a regular basis okay and not with the shadow work stuff so you just bleh, get it all out put it on the page and just let anything come up that needs to come up any feelings uh you know are okay it's perfectly fine and I think probably in the beginning you know there might be some holding back especially if you're you know someone who's like a people pleaser or like felt like you had to do certain things in order to be you know loved and accepted by your parents or your family of origin uh there could be some holding back in the beginning and maybe some feelings of shame or embarrassment about what's coming up but um you know that's fine too it's it's just like it's just a practice that you know you keep doing and I think you get better at it and I guess it's like I don't want to keep going back to the shit metaphor but it's like you know maybe you'll feel kind of constipated in the beginning and like just not a lot is coming out but once you keep going back to the page keep setting your 20 minute timer keep picking shit off the list just keep doing it I think you have a nice um you'll achieve some sort of uh smooth smooth moving smooth regularity in getting the shit out of your psyche um and then in the guidance that I have she says to do a self-compassion meditation for 10 minutes and that that's to sort of bring you back to a more positive state and allow you some time to forgive yourself for whatever has come up. Um, yeah. She says that you can sit in silence or like listen to some sort of meditation app or whatever. I don't really do that part, which is not to say that I think there's anything wrong with doing it, but I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, how many, how many of y'all do a self-compassion meditation after you take a shit. Mm, I mean, hey, that could be a good idea. If you had like a very uh, painful shit, maybe, yeah, do a self-compassion meditation. But I have not done that before. Um, so it kind of feels weird to me to be doing that after taking a shit. But um, could be good, could be good, could be good. Here's the thing, you don't have to do shadow work, but if you don't do it, then there's going to be a lot of psychic gunk that's built up inside of yourself. And what happens, what ends up happening is you make choices not from your own free will, not based on free will, but based on that shit, based on past habits and patterns that you maybe never really consciously agreed to. It's not like you, there's a lot of shit in our psyches that we didn't necessarily consciously put in there. Just, you know, stuff happens, you live your life, you react to situations and I don't know. Yeah, stuff happens, you do stuff, people do stuff and then like psychic gunk builds up because you're not constantly processing every encounter that you have uh, in your life. I mean, I guess that would be the ideal, but you know, we don't start out having 
enough space and energy to do constant processing of every moment. Um, maybe like there's a way to get to that place. Um, but you know, shit builds up over time when you're living in a very kind of unconscious way. And, you know, life just happens, you know, things like crazy shit just happens. And sometimes, you know, you don't know why something happened or why you did what you did in a certain situation. And then you just sort of leave it there somewhere in the back of your mind to settle. And then if you don't go back in there and like pull it out, uh, you know, you might do something based off of that uh, patterning that ingrained patterning. I think there's a word about, you know, like the way it gets ingrained into your brain that, you know, you always do things a certain way. I'm trying to think of like what patterns I've had. (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely uh, had a pattern of picking like bad guys, like not guys that are necessarily like uh, very loving or caring to um, date and get involved with, uh, you know, and I think there was a part of me that just, I don't know, I thought that was really what, I thought that was the kind of guy I was supposed to be with, you know, like I was just supposed to be with guys who are not very loving and affectionate, because I guess that's how that's kind of how my parents were. So, um, I got used to that and some kind of pattern, whatever algorithm was created in my brain that said, uh, you know, when a guy acts like a jerk to you, uh, that's right. That's exactly how it should be. You found the one. Congratulations. Yeah. And it took me a long and painful uh, marriage to realize that, uh, yeah, I don't really want to be with someone who doesn't uh, care about me because that sucks. It's shitty. Um, But I had to sort of do the shadow work and pull out some of the gunk and see that in there, there's a part of me that wants to be loved. Ugh, gross. I almost want to throw up saying it now. Like, <laughs> ew, gross, right? Um, but I did get to a place where I was like, oh, I do actually want to be loved. And I am not being loved by this person. So this is... Uh, not what I want. This is not what I want. I'm not, I don't want to be with this person. I don't want to be in this relationship because this is not what I want because I actually would like to be loved by the person that I'm with, not be treated like a fucking, I don't know, an accessory, another, another task, another thing that this person, um, is dealing with, like something on their fucking to do, to do list, you know? I don't want that for myself. But I found that I made that realization after doing some shadow work. So 
And now it seems kind of like, you know, obvious, like who wouldn't want to be, who wouldn't want to be loved, you know, but at the time it wasn't obvious at all. You know, I had spent so many years dating or whatever, getting involved with dudes and it was not my intention to find someone who cares about me. It was just like, I'll just be with whoever. I'll just pick the guy that's right in front of me now. Uh, who looks, you know, a certain kind of, not even, not even looks a certain kind of way, but has a certain kind of vibe. Like if the guy has a certain kind of like bad, bad dude vibe, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I'll take him. I'll take him, please. Thank you. Um, and all the red flags or all the shit that people call red flags will be, I don't know, like, like I'm checking boxes you know it's like ticking boxes it's off my list of what makes a dude bad yes red flag yes red flag like the red flags were like signs that that's the person I'm supposed to be with maybe like uh yeah he uh has a problem with addiction yes uh he's a liar yes uh hmm what are some other uh characteristics of guys that I've chosen in the past I don't know. He'll like not call me for a week. He'll like disappear. Yes, this is what exactly what I want. Uh, he gets mad at me for stupid shit. Uh, he accuses me of cheating while being a fucking liar himself. Yes. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> pretty, pretty common, I think, for a lot of people, not just women, but men, women, whatever, non-binary folks. So... Ugh, I got myself on some weeds with this and I don't know how I'm going to pull myself out. Okay, so yeah, what I think I was trying to say was that I took like a very Aquarian kind of approach to my relationships and maybe I learned that from my grandma. I was just like really cool and chill or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to super committed anything. I don't want to like, I don't want to like hold hands and like hug and uh, I don't want, I don't even want to go on dates. Let's just fuck, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the movies and like share a fucking thing of popcorn, whatever those are called. Let's just, you know, let's just get high and fuck. Cause I'm cool. I don't give a fuck. Uh, you know, if it sounds like some dude might be cheating on me, like, well, fuck him, but I don't care, you know, whatever, that's dudes, right? Same thing for me, like, I had in the past, sort of, like, when one relationship starts to get stale, I'll be like, oh, well, guess it's time to move on to the next thing, uh, not really even wanting to, like, process it, just be like, well, I guess it's just shit is dead now let's just move on get a get a new new flavor new taste new brand and I thought that made me cool like that's a cool approach to relationships right to not give a fuck to not be so caught up in the other person to not get obsessed to leave it loose 
And I think that's how I went about the beginning of my relationship with the person who I would end up marrying. Uh, you know, I was just like, we're not, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. We're not dating and we're just hanging out. We're just like, we're just fucking, right? Um, even though that's not really what I wanted, I, there was some shit or some psychic gunk, right? There's some shit in my head or somewhere in my body, in my heart that said, you know, this is the best you can do. So just do this, you know, don't, don't want what you can't have. So I stayed, I stayed in that state for a long time until, you know, I realized that I was with someone who doesn't really care about me. And that was a hard thing to admit. But I don't know, I guess admitting it, you know, made me realize that I actually wanted someone who cares about me. So, seems bad, but good. Bad again. The paradox of life experiences, you know? Sometimes it seems like the worst fucking thing happened, but it's also the best fucking thing that could have ever happened to you. Strangely enough. Kind of like that time I told my car when I was 16. Um, At the time, it fucking sucked. That was the worst. That was one of the most devastating moments of my life. Uh, my dad had got me a brand new car, and it was a really nice car. And, like, I don't know, it was like a week after my birthday, after I finally got my license, uh, that I fucking totaled it and lost it. In one fell swoop, that car was taken away from me, and I would never see it again. But, you know... It helped me be a lot less attached and sort of just not give that much of a fuck about, like, cars and shit. Yeah. After that, I drove, like, a really shitty car to school and stuff, even though I was going to high school where people had, like, nice cars. I was driving a really shitty car for a time, and I was just like, well... You know, who knows? I might fucking total this one as well. So it's good that it's a shitty piece of shit. A shitty piece of shit. It's good that it's a shitty car anyway, right? Good that it already looks like it's ready to be trash. Might as well. It's like, it's just made life easier to not have to worry about, you know, taking care of or like maintaining or protecting my lovely precious vehicle um I learned how to not give a fuck about that kind of thing at the age of 16 at the tender age of 16 and now my relationship with cars is like you know pretty healthy I think like I don't I definitely don't drive an expensive car uh even though I think it'd be nice to have a nice car at some point in the future but like whatever you know it's just a fucking car That's what I learned from that experience. It's just a fucking car. It's just some pieces of like metal and screws and an engine or whatever. Um, So, yeah. Mm. I also learned a lot about the people around me and the way that they reacted to that situation. Uh, 
my dad was a real fucking asshole about it. I mean, as you would be, but, you know, you don't have to be. You don't have to be an asshole to your kid. And if he had the least bit of empathy, (laughs) he would have seen that I was already devastated, you know, that I had already sort of felt the consequences of my actions. I didn't need someone being a dick to me on top of it. Um, But he showed his true colors. And it was good for me to see his true colors, you know, because... Years later, I would be able to say that he was a fucking asshole and feel pretty confident about it. And I think it made other people, his other, his other child, my brother, I think it helped him feel a lot better about his own feelings about my father when I was able to state it clear that he was a fucking asshole. Um, and my grandma was super chill. <laughs> The Aquarian as ever about it, super chill, didn't really, she didn't get mad or upset or react in any sort of way. She was just like, oh, well, all right, that's what happened. Moving on, moving on to the next thing. So. All right, just to wrap this up with a nice little bow. Um, So when you... So once you've made your list, once you've made your list for your shadow work, you can, once you make that long, (laughs) once you make your little or very long, little or long list of stuff to do shadow work on, you will see that that list is like your curriculum. It's like the experiences that you've signed up for in this lifetime for your growth. So if there's a lot on there, that means you came here to sort of grow a lot. And if there's not that much on there, then maybe, you know, this isn't sort of going to be a, uh, you know, heavily impactful journey of growth this lifetime. So there's no judgment on whether it's long or short or growth, no growth, whatever. Just it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with not actively being on the path of growth, like every minute of every single day. You know, I have days where I just want to pretend to be a cat on my couch and giving myself permission to soak up just the tiny amount of sunlight coming through the blinds. That's all I want to do. Um... I don't want to fucking grow, develop, or whatever. Like, just not interested at all. I have, I have those days, so there's nothing wrong. You're just staying in the same place, doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I told my astrologer the other day, I was like, I think I'll just, you know, no thank you on the whole evolution thing. I think I'll just keep doing what I know how to do. She didn't sound approving of that, but whatever. I approve. I approve of just doing what you know how to do and just sort of staying in the loop for, a, you know, for a, for a certain amount of time, you know. But at the same time, you know, it's sort of missing out on some opportunities to um, learn something about yourself, you know, 
uh, learn more about yourself. And if you're someone who thinks that you know yourself pretty well, uh, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and I was there. I was at a place in my life a couple years ago where I thought I knew myself pretty well. And as it turns out, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know all the parts of myself. I do know certain parts of myself, but I don't know all of myself. You know, we're multifaceted beings, you know, there's a lot of, a lot more parts to us than we might first assume, you know? And so when you do actively go down the path of growth, sort of taking on the challenge of doing things differently than how you may have been doing them in the past. It's an opportunity to learn more about yourself, to discover new facets of yourself that you never thought existed. And it makes you a more powerful human being. It makes it easier to to get the things you want to have, the experiences that you want to have, to do the things you want to do. You need more of yourself online to do bigger things. If you don't want to, that's fine. But I want to. I want to do bigger things. I want to have more new experiences. I want to go places I've never been, um, meet people, meet new people, and continue to have an interesting life, uh, not a boring one, uh, but no judgment about people living boring lives. It's fine. There's just not much to talk about. And uh, I probably won't want to hang out with you, but maybe you don't want to hang out with me. So cool. It all works out in the end. <laughs>